pick up the frickin' phone. Seriously, pick up the frickin' phone. Have a conversation with someone. Let them see you. I mean, this is why video has become so important as in, in, in inbound marketing. It's because you get to see somebody. You get to read all of the other parts of communication. Hello, everyone. This is Ellen, the producer of The Black Line Between Sales and Marketing, with Doug Davidoff, CEO of Imagine Business Development, and Mike Donnelly, CEO of Seven Cents. Let's get started. Teresa Eastler, thanks for joining us on The Black Line Between Sales and Marketing. Why don't you tell everybody who's watching and listening a little bit about yourself and uh, what brings you here? Well, I am the founder of a company called Connect to the Core that is a communications company specializing in working with companies and individuals and being able to motivate and influence people by having very connected communication. So not all coming from the intellect, but actually coming from the heart so that you can get the results that you want in a different type of way. So we're going to dig into the heart uh, quite a bit here on our, on our uh, conversation today. But I did want to ask you, I wanted you to think about this. So it was about 17 years ago that I met you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and, and do you remember where we met? Well, in a workshop, I remember that part of it. And you were the facilitator. That's correct. Right? At, right. at a, a, a strategic coach workshop, you That's had right. taken over our group. Right in front of me, right up at the front of the room. I, I probably, right I probably in did. Front of me. Yeah. So, Doug, I was you were quiet. A student. I was, I was quiet. I didn't challenge anything. That's right. I yeah, said, he likes I, being say, front, front and center so he can challenge more directly. <laughs> I said, I said, hey, if that's how you say it works, then who am I to question? That's ex Oh yeah, that's how you always approached everything. <laughs> so 17 years ago when you met me, did you envision that you would be sitting on a video podcast? <laughs> no, because um, I don't know how many people know what you were doing at that time, but you were in oh, a yeah, completely different industry, like a completely different industry. I thought you were going to go with the route of no, because there was no such thing as a video podcast 17 well, years ago, but you're, that's, that's true. You were in a different industry and there weren't yep. video podcasts. Video was used in a different way. Right. Then. Um, but lots of, that's right. lots of changes and all, all good. That's when I was uh, back with Merrill Lynch and I was carrying that's the bull. That's, that's right. right. Where you were. Carrying the bull. That's right. Oh. You were. We are so happy to see you leave there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, I actually misunderstood for a second. I thought you were saying you were so happy to see me leave Strategic Coach. But no. I you were so happy to see me leave Merrill Lynch. No. <laughs> I mean, it was such a good thing for you to leave there. But that's a whole other – that's a different discussion. But. That's a, another, another podcast, exactly. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. Oh. So for those of you watching, uh, I, I could not put two words together until I met Teresa. Okay, that, that's obviously that's, true. Um, that but, wasn't but, the issue. <laughs> Teresa has, has had a tremendous impact on, on my ability to communicate. Um, and, and so we wanted to bring her onto the podcast today to um, bring her perspective to all the salespeople and marketers that are listening. So, so to tee this all up, we were at Inbound 17. 
and you said, if I remember correctly, this is a really interesting conference. There's really great stuff here. The thing that you noticed though, is all of the conversation, all of the sessions were about doing. They were about the data and the doing, but that what was missing was the being. Right. Correct. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, um, first of all, before I get into it, the, this isn't an either or proposition. So this isn't, okay, you have to go on the side of who you're being when you communicate and skip all that part about what you're doing. This is, if you were looking at um, like an infinity sign, you know, it's a balance between two polarities, if you will. So there's one side of it, what the doing side of it. So these are the skills. This is the data. This is the information. This is the technique. All of that piece of it. So very important, very important. And on the other side of it is how you are actually interacting with people as human beings to human beings, not as a piece of data, but as human being to human being, that there's connection. And what I saw is, is like, if you're looking at that infinity sign, the balance is off. It's all over on the side of what you're doing with little or no attention on the other piece. So you have to bring it back into balance. Because if it's all focused on what you're doing, the, the result of that will be, and you do get results, they are short-term results. They're transactional results. There's no loyalty that gets built there. So you have a lot of work to continually have to go out and get more transactions, more transactions, more transactions. When you bring it back into balance, you don't have to do so much of that heavy lifting because there's actually relatedness as human beings that's taking place. Is that a unique observation you made at Inbound? No, that's an observation that I've noticed about communication. And it's actually that if you follow the trend, if you, if you look at business back in the, in the stage of the Industrial Revolution, and at that point, um, machines replaced brawn. You know, it was like up until Industrial Re Revolution, people, men primarily, because they were strong, did all the work. And then machines came in and did the work, so you didn't have to have brawn. And what became more important was the brain power that people brought to situations. Well, guess what? Computers do that far better than our brains. So the thing that we're now moving into is that we're moving into a, 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 realm, a realm, of, realm of our humanity our relatedness with one another, our connection with one another as people. And you can continue on the cognitive piece of it and the computation piece of it, very important. And if you do not include that other piece of it, you're missing, you're missing first of all, huge opportunity, but you're missing the, the impact that you truly can have. So, Teresa, this, this is a fascinating uh observation and discussion and it, it it reminds me a lot of conversations that i have with 
a gentleman that we just hired as a new inside sales rep where it's, it's more around like, Hey, just be authentic, be yourself, yeah. be a human being. Yeah. Like, and I, I think in marketing and, and even so much in sales today, we're focusing so much on kind of like automation, automation, automation versus uh, I agree with you. Whole, again, I don't think people are taking a step back and saying, Hey, we're all human beings. Like my co-founder and CTO used to say to me, Mike, stop saying contacts, stop saying audience. These are people on the other end of it. Yeah. And the more that we think about them as people, the more effective that we can build a product, the more, you know, the more value that we can drive for them, the better long-term relationships, et cetera. Because like you, exactly what you bring up is, yeah, we're dealing with transactions and you're just going to have to continue to deal with lots and lots and lots of transactions without focusing on the being part of it. So Doug, I mean, I'm sure you've got questions or comments, but Teresa, please keep going with this. I mean, I, I, I'm, again, I'm fascinated with the, uh, with the brain science that you've. Well, the, the other piece, sorry, Doug. Did I? No, go, go. The other piece of this is, and where, and, and where it shows up, and, and particularly as it, really, as it really struck me at Inbound, is that, you know, human beings are really smart about knowing when they're being manipulated. They know. And it's when, when you are looking at what are, what, are the, what are the activities, what are the right words, what are the sequences, what is the, you know, what's the right graphic? When you're looking at all of that on the doing side of it, and again, don't hear this like I'm saying forget about all of that, I'm not. But when you're focused on that and the intent of it is how can I get you to do what I want you to do? That is from a perspective of manipulation. That's really what it is. And it's not about connection. It is not about how can you have what you want? Where's the value? Because the value is not looking at it from my perspective. It's looking at how can I get you to do what I want you to do, right? And that's a different, that's a different perspective. It may seem like in, an, an insignificant thing, and it is enormous. It's the difference between being connected with someone and, and manipulating, getting them to do something. All right, so I, got, I have four scenarios that I want to take you through to say, what does this mean to okay. me? What do, what do I do with this? So, so scenario one is I'm, I'm a 25, 29-year-old sales rep. You know, on the upswing of my career, I got big dreams, big expectations. I, I hear have a purpose. I hear be authentic. I hear be yourself. Yeah being all those things and I've got a boss and I've got to hit a number and, and I got cut and I got all these things that are going on. Yeah. What, how do I, how do I, I know what to do on the doing part. Yeah. Right. Pump it out, make more calls. And, and how, how do I bring, how do I bring the being? How do I, 29 years old. How do I, how do I, how do I bring that in? while still meeting all the other expectations that my crazy funded company has for me. Right. 
So I'll give you the good bad news and the bad news. So, um, and I'll start with the bad news. The bad news is it's not a quick fix. It's not a doing thing. It's like, do this and it'll all be resolved. It's not that. It is um, a lifetime of, of uh, self-reflection that involves that. So that's be beginning with being willing to be self-reflective and to dig deeper and deeper and deeper so that you find that. So finding that purpose, you know, those are, these are not easy things to, to figure out. Being in the conversation or taking a look at is, is the first step, but there's, there, this is not a quick fix. You just keep moving in that direction. Now, how do you do that and how do you reconcile that with you've got, you've got expectations of yourself, you have a boss that has an expectation of you, how do you do that? So the first thing is, is your ability to achieve those things are going to continually increase the more you are authentic, the more you are able to be connected with other people. So whether that's you're out there communicating and as a salesperson, or you're having that conversation with your boss, right? So you're, so imagine you're having a conversation with your boss and something's not going the way your boss thinks it should go. So you're, you're challenged. So the first thing is, is that you have to own up to it. Here's what's my boss thinking? What do they want? What's needed here? Because it's more than just hit, hit your numbers. Are you requesting coaching? Are you, are you stumbling someplace? But to have an authentic, real conversation and then be willing to make a promise that says, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to approach it. This is what I'm going to do. Does that make sense? Are you in a line? So you have to have communication and it's got to be real. It's got to be between two human beings. So that's, you know, so that's the first thing is you, you must develop the skills to be able to be in conversation, connected conversation with another person, be it a boss, be it a client, be it, you know, somebody you're in a, ro a romantic relationship with, with your friends, it doesn't matter. Being able to have that communication is how you reconcile, here are the demands on me, and this is how I achieve them. Because the demands are never going away. Have you, have you, Doug, have you noticed demands as we've gotten older, have they decreased? Oh, my goodness. I remember, Teresa, I was coaching college baseball, and one of our top hitters was, was in the dugout. It, he was getting ready for his turn at, uh, for his, his round of BP. And he was sitting on the bench in the dugout and he just had this gloomy look on his face. And I'm like, Brandon, what's up, man? What's going on? He's like, coach, man, I, I, you know, I just got problems, got problems that I'm dealing with. And I look at him, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. I'll trade you your problems for my problems. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, when you go home tonight, are your parents going to have dinner for you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Coach. We're good. I'm like, is the roof on the house? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Okay. Brandon, you're, you're all right. Trust me. It yeah. only gets worse from here. Yes. Yeah. Well, just more, more things to learn. Well, I, I, correct. Well, I, I think I have, Doug, I've actually, this goes into a conversation I think that we had a few podcasts ago with even Signorelli where, you know, we look at businesses today and they're all measured quarter over quarter over quarter over quarter. 
versus, you know, taking some of that long-term, you know, uh, approach or viability to, to companies. And Teresa, I think that's partially what you're saying is, hey, if, if we just keep focusing on transactions, the problem is only going to get worse. Yeah. Versus being authentic and, you know, really being a hu- you know, human being to human being um, until we recognize that we need to make those, some of those fundamental changes. It's just, it's going to keep getting challenging, more challenging in the business environment. Right. So well, you said, you, you, sorry, go ahead, Doug. You said something earlier that I want to make sure we hit on. You, you talked okay. about in a connected conversation. Right. And I, and I think given the name of your company is Connect to the Core, I, I yeah. felt like connected is an important term here. What are some cues that, that people can look at to say, am I in a connected conversation or am I not in a connected conversation? Because I get the sense that some of this, to be able to be in the being, step one is to realize when you're not. Right. So, right. so what cues would you point to say the difference between a connected conversation versus not a connected conversation? Well, um, are you listening? <laughs> That's a, that number one. Are you listening? See, most, most of us are in two modes of communication. We're talking or we're getting ready to talk. And those are our two modes. So we, we're, it's, like, it's like words are coming out of my mouth or I'm waiting for that moment to say the next brilliant thing that I'm going to say. You know, and, we're, and when you do that, instead of listening to someone else, you're not connected. You aren't connected. And um, I had a, a client of mine who, who is a CEO of company, and it's a technology company. And I worked with his salespeople and um, a few of the leadership people. And his number one sales guy, number one, really like way ahead of everybody else. I was working and coaching him in presentation skills. And afterwards, my client said, so t- give me some feedback on my team that you worked with. And I said, well, your sales guy is really, really smart. One of the smartest people I've met in a long time. The problem is, Doug, you're going to love this. The problem is he is one of the most arrogant people I've ever met in my whole life. And he said, and my client said, yeah, I know, it's true. Would you have that conversation? <laughs> I said, oh, great, thanks a lot. I said, okay, I will. So I had the conversation with him. And, and these are not fun conversations. You know, I hate having these conversations. And unfortunately, my clients ask me to have them a lot because I do them really well. Yes, you do. And, and so when I got on the phone with him, I said, you know, you're, you're masterful in a number of things. You are really smart. You know your stuff and you're, you make a compelling argument. You, you really have the logic down, all of that. The problem is, is you put people off so they can't hear the value of what it is that you've got to say. 
And, and, and I said, have you ever heard this from anyone before? And he said, yes, I have. And I said, so this is not an issue that you're unaware of. And he said, I'm aware of it. I just don't know what to do with it. And that was when I actually gave him the same, the same advice that I just said is like, my experience of you is because you are so smart. You're thinking way ahead of everyone else. So you're like making sure that everybody hears how brilliant you are and you're not paying attention to what they're saying and what they're thinking. So you have to stop and listen to them without judgment and then lead them to having what it is that they want, not what you want. You'll get what you want by them getting what they want. So it's, it's that whole piece of it, of, of listening to somebody else, removing your own judgment, taking your agenda and setting it aside and letting them have their agenda. And the more you can support them in accomplishing that, you're going to get your results. They will happen. But that's part of that connection, doing it that way. Are, are you familiar with Carol Dweck, who wrote the book Mindset? I know the book. I haven't read it yet, but I'm, I'm familiar with, so, with the book. Uh, so for those of you listening, Carol Dweck is a psychologist of some form. And what she did was she went into elementary schools because she wanted to see how children dealt with stress. And so the way they did that was they gave uh, kids these puzzles and they started off with very easy puzzles and then they progressed to be increasingly difficult. And the initial theory was as it got more difficult, all of the kids would get stressed and they would see how they coped and, and what they did. But she was actually surprised because what she learned was that there was a group of kids that got really stressed, they got really frustrated, and they quit. Mm. And they wouldn't even engage anymore. Mm. But there was this other group of kids that, like, while the puzzle was easy, they, they had to work to keep them engaged. But then when they thought it would be stressful, all of a sudden – that's when they started seeing the joy. It was like, okay, this isn't even fun until it's difficult. Mm -hmm. and, what she, and what she talked about was that, you know, there, there's two mindsets. They discovered two mindsets from this, the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And, and the growth mindset being, hey, the struggle is the game. Um, I tweeted a couple months ago. I said, what if the struggle is the reward? Mm -hmm. Stop and think about that for a moment. So you talked about the smart guy, the smart sales guy. And I've been told a time or two that I'm smart. A couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's interesting because I sometimes joke around and say, look, I know that my goal shouldn't be the, to be the smartest person in the room. I just can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> and true, true, right? <laughs> but so you get, you get told how smart you are. And you begin to define yourself. That becomes the identity. Right. Right. And, and, and now that's my role. That's, that's the role that I play. That's the, you know, the value that you have. I, I remember, um, you know, you're the one who figures it out. And so you're, you, what you're describing here, listening, not preparing what you're going to say next. Well, wait a second. What if you say something I'm not ready for? Listening without judgment. That was that struck me as interesting because I think if I judge you, I'm safe from you judging me. 
So what you just described, <laughs> like, I mean, there's, I'm just saying like, there's that defense mechanism of, of right. how we kind of put ourselves out there. I mean, what you just described is like scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you, I mean, they don't teach this in school. No, like, no. In a lot of ways, they teach the exact opposite. They do, they do the exact, I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. They, they yeah. teach the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've not seen a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio to get on to, you know, to stand up on a desk and said, hey, everybody, congratulations. Let me tell you what. Jim over there, he just did the silliest thing with a customer, made us look foolish. But, hey, guess what, guys? He learned a lot in the process. Let's hear it for for Jim. Yeah. So that's not, I'm not advocating that you do that. I'm not advocating that you go out and make a fool of yourself. That's no, not I don't, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> no, we, we get yelled at when we make a mistake. We get right. yelled at when we put ourselves out there. Right. How, right. how do I manage that? What the thing of it is, is that you're not exempt from making mistakes. First off, does it? Nobody is. We all make mistakes. It happens on a daily basis, if not on an hourly basis or more frequent than that, with more frequency than that. But that's, but the, um, what I'm, what I'm speaking about in that non-judgment is that you don't go in judging somebody else. You don't have any control about them judging you or not judging you. But, and, and I'm also not saying that you don't have, I don't like the word agenda, but I'm going to use it for lack of a better one at this moment. You, actually, I'm going to change it. You have your intention. You know what you, the result and what you intend to accomplish in your communication. So that, that becomes what the frame of mind that you're in with the understanding that that only is going to be reflected from somebody else as that, as that creates value for them. If there's no value for them, pack up your bags and leave. Just leave. If there's no value for them, now you can manipulate them into, I seriously mean, you can. You know, there are a lot of people who are brilliant at it and it works once or twice and then you got to find somebody else to take the place. But if you're going to create true value for people, you better really get over in their universe and get them like what's truly important to them and relate to them in a different way. They're not, they're not a statistic. They're not a profile or a persona. They're not. They're real people. I, I don't mean to get crazy soft here. Yeah. But as you're talking about the whole manipulation component, which I, I, I love the fact that you acknowledge, you can do it. Yeah. But, but not only is it not sustainable. And I'm I, a parent also, so I'm a full on believe in manipulation. I, I, you know, it's like any parent knows manipulation. <laughs> what? When you manipulate transactionally, yes, let's, let's call it transactional manipulation. Yeah, it's like uh, conscious decoupling. Transactional TM. Manipulation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you're you're not only, I mean, like again, I don't mean to get overly soft, but you're not only 
eating up the equity of the relationship that you have with the person. Am I overstating it that you're also eating up the equity that you have yourself of, of you as the person to have that confidence to be connected? Um, I think it probably, it probably injures, it depends on the frequency of it. So, so if it's a relationship and it happens a lot, the relationship will disappear. It'll, it'll just dissolve because there, there is no relatedness. There's only manipulation. Well, but the, probably the earlier impact is going to happen to you because you'll think that's the only way you can get things done. So, so I'm going to, here's the challenge question that I think, Mike, you can, you can maybe attest to and maybe expand on. I'm, I'm selling a SaaS product. I'm selling something. Yeah. I got to, you know, I sell them and then I don't deal with them ever again. Right. And I believe in my product. I'm doing the right thing because my product's great. Why not just ram them through? Why not, why not boiler room? Why not just put it through, use all my techniques and make it happen. What, what's the downside of that? Well, it's not very satisfying. You know, it's a short, it's a very short term satisfaction. So there's, if that's important to you, and, and for some it might not be important, but if it's important to you, there you're going to quickly become dissatisfied. There's, there's never going to be enough. Um, I, I would, yeah, that's the very, very, it's a very, very true comment. Yeah, so that's a big price to pay. That's a really big price to pay. And, um, and we, under, we underestimate the importance for us as individuals to um, be connected to others. This is, this is not optional for us as people. You don't get to opt out of being connected because you just don't feel like it. You may not know how to do it. That's a different thing. But you don't get to opt out. It's like you don't get to opt out of breathing and you don't get to opt out of eating and you don't get to opt out of water. It's that, it's that fundamental to our needs as people to be connected to others. So if you're engaging and it's like, you know, I'm just going to ram these through. Okay. You know, you might get great results. You probably will get great results. And what if you can do that and be connected? What if you could do both? See, this isn't either or. What if you could do both? And that's where things like word of mouth come into play. Right. And, you know, if you just, so I've got a, I've got a question for you and it's an approach that I've, that, that I've taken for probably the past eight years. And even though today I'm selling, you know, a SaaS product, it's not a huge investment as far as, you know, kind of finances are concerned, things along, along those lines. But I try to be very authentic in my first uh, interaction with somebody. But at the mm -hmm. same time, the number one thing I look at is the value of time. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is valuing their time as well as valuing my time. So that comes into specifically asking, you know, a few questions but then just kind of diving in. There's, there's none of this of how's the weather, how's your family, you know, what sports team do you like, et cetera. Right. right. I don't, I, I, and, and it's the way that I coach too is you have not earned the right to ask those questions yet. Right. And you, you, you haven't earned the right of that relationship yet because there's been no value driven. 
And so when I get off a first call with a customer, whether or not that I was selling in the enterprise or I'm selling a SaaS, you know, a lower cost SaaS product today, the number one thing I look at, and I will even bring it to a prospect's attention of, hey, I know we scheduled an hour, but we're 45 minutes in and we've kind of gone through all the questions. So are you happy that I gave you 15 minutes of your day back? And the response to that is, yeah, I remember that was the guy that just constantly gave me time back. Right. What, what's your what's your thought on that as far as, you know, just overall communication? Uh, yeah. I mean, that that works. That completely works. And and see, I think people have this crazy notion that being authentic means, you know, that you're you, you engage in small talk. Right. I'm the worst small talker in the world. I'm just not good at it. I don't like it. I just like it feels weird to me. I don't know what to talk about, like that sort of thing. I'm not a small talker. But, and I am one of the most authentic people. When you meet me, you, that's it. Like I don't, you know, I don't pretend to be anybody other than I am. And if I make an observation, I'll say this is what I see. Now, I am, I'm very solid in who I am. I don't, I don't question who I am. Uh, it's taken me a long time, many, many years to get to that point, but I don't question who I am and I also don't question what I know. So where that's being authentic to myself. So authenticity does, isn't cookie cutter. It's not you authentic is the same as me authentic. You know, the three of us here, not, none of us are the same authentically. Right? None of us are. And, and that's one of the challenges that I hear a lot with younger people that I work with is when I speak to them about being authentic, that that's the number one most important part of have that beingness of communication, that beingness in those interactions is being authentic. And first of all, the big challenge is for everybody is like, great, I want to be authentic, like, and who am I authentically? So that's that piece that it's a lifetime of exploring. But one of the things that I hear a lot with younger people is when I'm my authentic self and I'm going with and speaking to somebody that is of a different generation, I don't feel like I can be my authentic self. And I hear that a lot. And, and what's interesting is that um, that is a thing that just about everybody thinks, is I can't be, what if I can't be my authentic self? Because what if they don't like who I am, right? Except that the trap is, is if they, you're, you're not yourself, they don't have anyone to relate to. There is no relatedness unless you're yourself. So part of it is, is to understand and recognize if there's a difference. And if it's generational, is recognizing it and honoring that. So if I'm communicating with someone who is... Um, is is younger if it falls into the millennial group i'm not going to suddenly try to be a millennial i'm not hashtag all true uh, yeah 
you know, I, we had, oh, no. we just had this really funny experience. I mean, I thought it was hysterical. We had a, gr a number of people over for dinner of m many generations. I mean, literally from 30 to over 80. So a lot of generations covered. And there was one point where my husband, Bill, was texting with his 27-year-old son, and a couple of the younger people at the dinner were coaching him on urban slang. And, because, and he's, he's, you know, texting to his son urban slang, and he's going, you know, it's like, Dad, the woke comment was a nice touch. <laughs> And then he added some more and he said, but you took it too far. And we're cracking ourselves up because it was so inauthentic right. for him to be doing it. It was funny, but it was totally not him. He would never, ever say these things. So if you're doing it, make sure you do it because it's amusing. Right? right. right? <laughs> but it's so come. It happens the other way too, is, is when, when you are trying to be someone other than you're not, it falls short. So, so Teresa, I could have this conversation for hours. And, I know. And there, there is, I, I, I said I was going to take you through four scenarios. And we you did we one. Covered, we covered most of the first three. So oh, okay. I do want to make sure we, we, get, we get to the fourth. Um, and, and the fourth is I'm going to speak up for our producer, Alan, here. So we, we talk a lot about interpersonal communication. Yes. Um, increasingly communication occurs online. Increasingly communication yes. occurs in writing. Um, how do you take the idea of being, how do you take this authenticness and I'm a marketer and I've got to create content for my company, for my client, for my whatever. How do we bring it there? Cause I do think just as a side note that like the reason there is so much crappy content. For those of you that are looking, here's our shirts. Just say <laughs> no to shitty sales and marketing. Um, yeah, one of the reasons is because there's so much stuff there. There's the doing, like it meets all, it's yeah. grammarly, you know, grammatically correct. Yeah. It's factually, but yeah. there's just like you read it and it's like, it's nothing. How do you bring that it's into hollow. writing? It's hollow. Well, first of all, you're, again, you're not thinking about who you're communicating with. Like, like really. Who are you communicating with? And are you, are you communicating from the place of I'm, my intent here is to get them to do what I want, or I'm communicating here so that they can have what they want? So it's a very, like, who's this for? Is it all about me or is it about them? So if, if it's all about you, there's going to be a lot of crappy content out there. You, you just gave me a deja vu moment because I remember something that you taught me that I didn't realize was a huge weakness of mine because I've been known to get frustrated by people. I've been told that, that sometimes I don't suffer fools lightly. Yes. And, and it and is you, one of your more endearing qualities. Exactly. Along with that and my humility. Exactly. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you talked about one time and it really hit me like a brick over the head that you can't, you can't truly influence. You might be able to manipulate, but yeah. you can't influence if you're not communicating from a perspective of respect for who you're communicating to. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you remember, it, 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 
Talk about that to the marketers who are, you know, they're, they're not the subject matter experts. They're responsible for creating content. What does that mean to create content from the perspective of respecting your audience? Well, I got her. <laughs> she had to stop and think. I won. Oh, no. <laughs> You're too <laughs> serious, 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 serious question. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, some of these things are, I don't want to minimize it because it's, it's, it's obvious to me and it's not obvious. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's how do you, how do you create meaningful content? I mean, you can create meaningful content to, to manipulate people. It can be meaningful and it's, it, but it, it's, it's um, Chinese food, you know, you're going to be hungry shortly. So if you want something that that's, uh, stays with you for a longer period of time, you, you truly have to understand who they are. You, and, you have, and, and you must be interested. You must be interested in them. You have to care about them. And when you're, and when you, and this is one of the, the challenges of scalability is, is how do you care about, as soon as you get it away from a small community, how do you care about thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands? How do you care about them? And, and as, as you probably know, one of, one of the pieces of work that I do in the Power to Connect, one of the questions that gets at that is what is it that you appreciate about them? And for, for me, my feeling is, is that that is a key question to answer, to remove things from manipulation into value. Because what it requires of you to think about, what is it that I appreciate about them? The trick about this question is, is it can't have anything to do with you. So it can't be, I really appreciate that they spend money with me. I really appreciate that they spent their time with me. I really appreciate something about what they do for me. I appreciate they're going to help me hit quota. Yeah, I appreciate that they're going to help me hit quota. Exactly. All good things. Now, to me, that's being grateful for, which is a good thing, and it's not appreciation. When you look at what is it that you appreciate about them, it takes you out of the equation and it is entirely about them. Now, this is not easy because we keep wanting it to be about ourselves. We're wired that way. Our brains are wired that way. And when you are able to remove yourself from that and look at them as people, human beings, from a, through a lens of appreciation, then something else can happen. They, one, even if they're jerks, and those are the challenging ones, if they're, you know, people who, and there are, you know, those jerks, those a-holes out there, when, when you can look at them from appreciation, you can see people actually transform in front of your eyes. It will happen. Not all of them, but it can happen. It opens that possibility up. 
But I think that that's one of the, the first things is to, to stop. When I, when I work with any of my clients, when I go into any workshop, that is, that is one of the questions. What, okay, so what is it that we appreciate about them? And sometimes you have to dig deep. You know, it's not obvious. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be happy to know that's actually the last question I ask anytime I work on a new communication. Do you? What do I appreciate about, about this audience? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're up on time. So this was awesome. You're the reason that we got to end. I, 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 we can I keep get it that. Well, I get that, but it, 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 I, I've got to ask this question because I've all, and it, it's rare that I get to, to, to really talk to a communication expert as such, you know, someone as such as yourself. So I, I'm very curious as to whether or not you think this approach is manipulation or really authentic communication. So one of the things that I have done probably for, I don't know, 12, 13 years now is when I communicate with somebody electronically, I look at the way that they communicate with me electronically. Yeah. What I mean by that is before I reply, did they put hi, Mike? Did they put, hey, Mike? Did they put hello, Mike? Did they not even include my name in a reply? And it was a Twitter-esque sentence. Did they write me a book? Did they write me 15 questions? You know, what way are they communicating? And then therefore, I respond in that exact same type of manner. And I'll give you a for instance. So I, I have a, he's become a long-term friend. He was the executive vice president of technology at Discovery Communications, Fortune 500 company. And I knew anytime I wanted something, that if I rent, sent him an email that was more than two sentences, I, I, I would just never get a response because he would have to think about it. So I'd literally figure out what sentence do I want to write him. He would immediately respond. Then I could write him another sentence. He would immediately respond. Then I could write him another sentence. Whereas there was other clients that I knew if I sent them something, it must be, you know, it's like, Mike, bundle all of this up for me in one email communication. So that's been the strategy that I've used throughout my career. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. And again, Long and short, is that manipulation or is that authentic communication of me actually respecting that? Yep. I think it's paying attention to how people want to be communicated to and with. Um, and I'm going to add something else to this. And this is, and this is um, what I'm going to say is one of the misuses of electronic communication. We, we expect electronic communication to do things that it's not designed to do. And, and, and so it, it goes over, over the line of what it's really good at, and that's where we end up with a lot of miscommunications. So what electronic communication is really good for is data exchange. Handling logistics, what's gonna, you know, when is this taking place? Can you give me an answer about this? Like, you know, what are the directions? I'm gonna be late for this meeting, whatever that is, but it's like simple data exchange. Give me this piece of information, I will respond back with another piece of information. Great for that, just amazing. What it's not good at, and it's not a good, uh, medium for is when you actually intend to connect with someone because it's stripped away how we actually do can you communicate with each other we can't look at each other so we're not reading any of the stuff that's going on in our body language and our facial features we're not doing any of that we can't hear tone of voice 
You know, we can't do any. That's like, you know, that's why we have emojis. We had to insert some of that emotion into it someplace so that people would understand what it was that we intended them to understand. And there's so much, you know, it's like, I, I, I will never forget. I had, a, I sent a, uh, a text to one of my kids and he came and he responded back. It was like, why are you so upset with me? I said, I'm not upset. I'm trying to find out if you're coming over for dinner on Sunday. I just wanted it was a logistical. It's like, why are you so upset? It's like, I'm not upset. I'm asking a question, right? So there's so much that, um, that gets missed when we have an over-reliance on electronic communication. And I, and I believe me, I use, it's like, I use it just like everybody else. And there are, there are times when I don't do it, you know, pick up the fricking phone. Seriously, pick up the fricking phone, have a conversation with someone, let them see you. I mean, this is why video has become so important as in, in, in inbound marketing. It's because you get to see somebody. You get to read all of the other parts of communication that doesn't come through in the, the written word. You know, most of us are not Shakespeare. We're not. So look at, be, be conscious of how you're using your language. Are you using it for masterfully in making sure that the data, the information gets transferred from one to the next really well? Because if we do it verbally, it's all going to get screwed up. But the actual connection and true communication happens when we talk to each other, when we see each other, when we're next to each other. So when is that the appropriate thing? And, and, and separating those things out, and as much as you can, you bring in the other parts of communication, using video, using voice, using those things so that our, our brains, how we're wired to, to suss out all of those things, that they, can, that they can actually figure it out. Because that's how we figure it out as people. Otherwise, it's, it's information. It's all information. You know? Not that we don't have enough of that. <laughs> Teresa, tell everyone how they can uh, learn more about what you do, get a hold of you, follow you, subscribe to your uh, great videos. My stuff. So a couple of different ways. Uh, you can meet, uh, reach me directly at Teresa.Eastler at Connect to the Core. Uh, I tweet at uh, Teresa Eastler and Connect to the Core Facebook our Facebook page there. And then, and we, I do weekly videos, Teresa's tips on some aspect of communication. I'll, whatever showed up that week is I'll do some sort of a tip. And we're, uh, we're launching at the beginning of November, we're launching a video series on delivery techniques on a whole series of delivery techniques on uh, that combines that being piece, but also very specific do's and don'ts. Um, how to deliver. Very cool. So we'll have all that information in the show notes as well. Teresa, I could go on for hours with you. I know. As we have many times before. I know. We'll, we'll have we to have. do this again. And, 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 Please, and I'd love to do it again. Fascinating, Teresa. And I sincerely appreciate, you know, the time. And um, again, this was, this was fascinating. And like Doug, I could probably go on for hours with tons of different questions. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This was really fun. I, I was really looking forward to being with you, and, and uh, this, is a, this is good, really good. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you.